All right, what's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast. I am one of your hosts here every single week. My name is Mitch Oliver, and joined with me, as always, I have my friend. I'm Boozy. Boozy is back, and today we have a very special episode, a very kind of off-kilter episode for The Terror Table that I'm really excited that uh, Boozy came up with this idea, and we wanted to make it extra special and bring on a previous guest of the show. He hasn't been on in a long time, uh, but if we're going to be talking about a movie as classic and seminal as james cameron's the terminator we got to bring on our friend craig Selefant from the feedback society rawco radio uh you know him as the ctv news movie geek and yeah he's just an all-around saskatonian legend and we're very honored to have you join us this episode for terminator the, how's it the going, craigenator why yes thank you gentlemen yes uh, i will say right off i know i just told you guys this before we started but uh I'm currently living in my mother-in-law's basement while we do some pretty insane work to our house. So if you happen to hear any weird children or anything wandering by, it's either the go- it's either ghosts or my actual children. Uh, yeah, and if you hear any lawnmowers or <laughs> uh, anything like that, it, there's a good chance that there's a Terminator. I don't know that was such a bad joke. Jesus. Or a maximum overdrive uh, situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or blades. Like Blades, like Wesley Snipes Blades? No, remember I talked about Blades, the movie that oh rips my off God. Jaws, but it's just a lawnmower instead? Yeah, the, yeah the, the cultural impact that the Terminator has had has extended in so many different directions, but I'm sure Blades is actually one of one movie that was definitely influenced by the Terminator. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> but I'm, trying yeah. to, I'm trying to just get it into the like every day that everybody watches Blades. <laughs> I, I wonder if you have gotten a single listener to check out Blades from your, your glowing review. That's on well, Tubi, correct? It, actually, I did have one person message me that they did. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, we are doing... It's not the Lord's work, but it's someone's work. That's, that's what we're doing here. Tubi <laughs> statistics work. Yeah, but uh, yeah, before we get going, I just want to also address that uh, Craig, like you, you are always welcome on the Terror Table. We're always excited to have you here, and you've been on multiple times before. Uh, but you also you are one of the people that contributed to the Druid's Hand Kickstarter and paid for one of our episodes. I think that was just you being the nice guy that you are, the nice supportive guy that you are. You didn't need to do that to be a guest on the show. And I think, no, you know that, I, but, you know, 100 percent. I was doing it to support you guys for sure. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And uh, I'm excited that we're because we were trying to lock down like what, what are we going to talk about? And for some reason, even though we'll get into the conversation about the Terminator being constitute constituted as a horror film like it's there's a lot of debate around that uh but it's one of like we've done you know 250 episodes at this point we've covered a lot of the juicy ground that the genre has to offer in terms of big name titles but the terminator is definitely one of the one of the ones that we still haven't discussed and i know you're you're basically a film historian at this point you've been a movie geek for your entire life and i can only imagine the the impact a movie like this had on you. So I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation to have with you. Yeah. Awesome. It should be good. I'm, I was actually thinking about that the other day, like is like watching it. I watched it yesterday actually with my son who's nine. Uh, And so that seems weird because I do remember, I remember when I first saw this movie anywhere, it was in a newspaper uh, I, in Regina uh, actually, where I spent a few years as a kid. And so it came out in what, 84, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it was in 85, I saw like an ad for it because it was still playing in the theater and it was special X, which I don't believe exists anymore as a rating. Like that's 18 a now. Uh, but that was like no one under 18 admitted no matter what. 
Uh, and so I was like intrigued from that moment. And it was just like a black and white newspaper ad of the like, you know, one of the early famous covers where it's just kind of Arnie and the like, you can see like the number, the numbers on his like sunglasses or yeah. whatever. And, and, uh, and I was just like, oh man, I got to see this movie. So uh, I'm not sure if I am a bad parent, but my son uh, watched it with me yesterday. And my daughter, who's four, was also kind of in the background. So there was a few moments where she's like, why does that guy have a robot eye? Why is he pulling his face off? <laughs> I'm like, I'm a bad parent. No, well, what, uh, you, you can take this how you will, but I watched The Terminator and T2 far before nine years old. And look how I turned Good. out. Good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so I guess the, the jury's out on that one. We'll see how, how the kids turn out. But uh, uh, I have to ask, uh, how did your son enjoy it? How did a uh, nine year old enjoy Terminator? Uh, I think he liked it. He wasn't yeah. necessarily over the moon about it. He we actually watched Terminator 2 right after because we were just sort of sitting there watching TV and we watched the first one. And uh, I think he enjoyed the second one a little better because he's a little more geared towards action films. And, right. it's and there's less a- sex scenes. Yeah. And it's a big blockbuster uh, action movie. There's lots of uh, sexy uh, chin ups. Yeah. Yeah. Really sweaty. Uh, part two. Yeah. Sweaty, sweaty chin ups. But uh, but yeah, I think he enjoyed it. That's awesome. And we're already like we're going to we're going to go take it back a little bit before we get into the Terminator. But one thing that while we're still talking about that, uh, I know the big thing for me as a as a kid in Terminator 2 was being able to relate or at least be somewhat closer in age to Edward Furlong and having that character in it so like that was one of the reasons why i think t2 had such a huge like t2 definitely had a bigger impact on me as a kid uh but that's we're gonna have a whole conversation about this <laughs> okay well let's uh let's kick off though with craig what have you been up to in terms of horror movies have you seen anything recently that you want to discuss on the show uh let me just pull open my letterbox here i mean i just it was just october a few weeks ago there so i definitely dove in pretty deep uh and watched like not quite a movie a day but uh, almost a movie a day for october um i know for new stuff you guys have probably talked about this already but i saw uh barbarian yeah uh and um speak no evil actually like two like a night apart i saw them uh have you guys seen speak no evil have you guys talked about that i i have talked about it on the I show seen it. yeah so uh you know barbarian that's the feel-good movie i was telling you about boozy it's right, a real right, happy right. it's a happy oh that one's rock. like it's like the all the cringe of like the british office but in service of a horror movie it's so yeah. hard like it's one of the i you know i can I'm, as with you guys i'm sure any of us can watch people get their you know their guts ripped off and a blowtorch taken to their face but watching this like awkward uh, social situation was probably one of the like the most cringy I've ever felt in a in a horror movie situation. Uh, Barbarian uh, I thought was mostly brilliant. I kind of I like the first half of it maybe is super brilliant. Just the way he sets everything up and you don't know what you know what Bill Skarsgård is doing and everything. And I don't want to give anything away, uh, but uh, it's almost like there's two movies there like eventually. And I kind of yeah. wanted to see where the first one was going, even though the second one's still effective. Yeah, uh, but I, you know, so I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Uh, what else did I watch? It. Uh, not a horror movie, but again, definitely some of those cringy things. Uh, Triangle of Sadness, the new Ruben Dawson oh, movie. Man, that I can't wait really to good. see it. How was it? Uh, it's I I loved it. It was brilliant. Uh, Halloween ends. I'm sure you guys have talked about that. I thought yes. that one was like, uh, I thought it was like a terrible ending for a trilogy that already didn't really work a lot. But as a standalone Michael Myers movie, like it kind of had an interesting idea at the core of it. Uh, but, you know, that's 
that's kind of how I felt about that. I'm just trying to see a Deadstream I saw. I know that's playing at the Saskatoon Fantastic Film. What did you think? I talked about uh, Deadstream last week. What did you think of that one? Uh, I enjoyed it. Like I, it wasn't like, you know, brilliant or perfect or anything, but what I really thought it did best was, you know, uh, you know, we've talked, well, I know you guys haven't, I think we've even together talked about a lot of like found footage movies and how some of them work better than others. And I really think that like just the confluence of found footage with where we are uh, as a society in terms of like YouTubing uh, and just, you know, people constantly filming themselves. Uh, you know, I think that really worked in terms of like how he has, you know, headgear that, you know, that, yeah. like now you can really be true found footage and sure, like somebody had to edit that footage together and you kind of ignore that fact a little bit, but, um, but, you know, I thought, it, and it's really fun. It's funny. It's, it's a, it's a good little idea. Uh, yeah. I actually was rewatched uh, lost highway a couple of nights ago. I got the criterion 4k thing. Uh, and it's funny how like now the idea, like there's a lot of like people getting filmed and, and almost even like secretly and surveillance film and stuff. And now that idea is not really that scary because it's pretty much our lives. But in 1997, that was kind of a creepy thing. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, we watched a lot of fun uh, kind of eighties horror movies uh, and stuff like that. I watched a few classics too. So um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of stuff I could go into detail on, but I mean, that was sort of the, can, can you give us a, did you watch any classics that you'd never seen before that like left an impression on you or is this all kind of like greatest hits? uh well like all the classic classics i saw were stuff i'd seen before like the universal uh mm -hmm. monster movies and stuff <laughs> but uh, did you watch all of them no i i watched a few of them last year that i hadn't seen before actually that i really enjoyed i think the raven was one and there was uh, i can't remember the other one but uh one of those sort of lesser you know le not not as you know famous as frankenstein and dracula yeah. and stuff like that uh this year i watched frankenstein uh the invisible man um there was one more thoughts on the invisible man. man hey thoughts on the invisible man oh man i i love that book actually too like uh i i it's a great movie it's a great book uh lots of atmosphere uh i, I like that one it's, uh, I watched it's so uh, wild. I, I like that. Like that's one that's just grown in my esteem every single year. Like out of the whole Universal Monsters um, catalog, that's the one that I find as an adult I'm most excited about now because it's like it was never really a part of my childhood in the way that Frankenstein was and even Dracula. But my God, Invisible Man is just so bonkers. So much fun. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I watched Demonoid Messenger of Death. Uh, that sounds like a boozy movie. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it, it's 1981, and it's kind yeah. of a like hand movie. In fact, the reason I heard of it was there's a uh, newish podcast called Video Archives with Quentin Tarantino yeah. and Roger Avery, and so each episode is them like taking some a uh, couple of movies from the video uh, archive, like the video store they used to work at. He bought the collection. Uh, and then they talk about a few of them, and this one just sounded so bonkers. I had to watch it, and it was fairly bonkers, but it was like it was a it was a reasonable quality i gave it like three and a half out of five on uh on letterbox uh, what, for what's it that... so demonoid what uh demonoid messenger of death it's messenger called i think it's death. mostly just called demonoid but okay um... but if you had to compare it like in terms of wishmaster to evil never dies which one <laughs> which would you say is higher quality probably demonoid uh i think there was a, like it's a kind of a it's a z movie but there was a bit of money put into it so right. uh by like i don't know if it was like the philippine government or something there's definitely some globe trotting going on in the shooting of that movie but uh uh and i watched the house on sorority row which was kind of fun i did that um, one for the first time last year as well yeah it's, yeah it's just a fun little slasher movie it's like 
nowhere as good as uh what, what's the one slumber party massacre but definitely yeah. in like the same type of vein yeah um, that one's really fun actually i think we watched that yeah. one last year uh happy birthday to me i watched which was okay the reason why like the reason why I was really interested in watching this movie is I'm a bit older than you guys, as we've established before. So I remember when I was growing up in Calgary, there wasn't video stores yet in the sense of like Blockbuster and Rogers and, and, and 49 cent video and things like that. Uh, we would actually rent videos from the like grocery store. And so there was like a, a you know, a VHS section in the grocery store. And I would have been in probably like grade two, three uh, well, I guess in 81, I was in grade one and that's what your happy birthday to me came out. But I remember seeing some of these crazy covers like uh, happy birthday to me where the guy's getting a like shish kebab in his, yeah. in his mouth and uh, uh, a fun house pay to get in pray to get out. I remember that one. And so just some of those crazy, uh, especially the horror VHS covers. Uh, stuff that you wouldn't even let like they wouldn't let a kid look at that now in a store anywhere you'd probably no. have to go to a like secret section or something but uh but back then they were just live and on display so uh you know i was going back and re-watching some of those that i hadn't seen since i was a kid yeah no that that's such a like interesting thing to think back on is how it was so like kind of ridiculous that we could walk into the video store and see such grotesque covers like even like i remember even Pumpkinhead 2 had a wild cover and like stuff like that but when we think about it, we're like yeah kids don't really have that anymore it, it's harder for them to get a hold of it but is it because they all have ipads in their hands right and like with a couple of clicks you could be seeing a, a real murder like it's like yeah. <laughs> so i'm, I'm kind of wondering how how that's all going to play out in the grand scheme of things but hopefully hopefully kids discover shutter and uh that's going to breed a whole and new Tubi. and to yeah, yeah actually to yeah. would be even better Shutter's been doing like really well lately at even yeah. their own original content, like whether they're actually producing it themselves or just acquiring it. Uh, but I've not noticed that like, um, you know, they always had a, a great catalog, obviously, of, of stuff. But uh, a lot of these movies uh, like Speak No Evil, you know, are just a yeah. testament to like a lot of the just three, four star stuff that they're uh, collecting and putting up there. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's uh, Boozy. Have you checked out anything on Shutter recently? Or yes, have actually, you checked anything out in general? I have three things. And one of them actually is a, I believe it is a Shudder original as well. Okay, let's hear about it. Okay, so the one I want to talk about that's a Shudder. Actually, two of the movies I talked about were from Shudder. Uh, so the first one I'll go is I watched 2022's Mandrake. That's one nice. they've kind of been showing quite a bit more on their, their featuring. Uh, I watched this as well. I watched it uh, early this morning. So let's, uh, okay, let's hear your thoughts on it. Okay, so before, I'll just say for anyone who's listening, uh, it's about a probation officer who has to rehabilitate a killer named Bloody Mary. It's like <laughs> well, her she, nickname. That was, yeah, that was like her nickname. It's yeah. <laughs> not by law. No, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> Pulls out her yeah. driver's license, Bloody Mary. <laughs> I actually, my first name is Bloody. Yeah. Um, I will say that I think this uh, had some really cool ideas, had some interesting uh, characters, but overall it kind of, I felt like the ending kind of let me down a little bit. Um, and it turned into just a lot of talking. That's yeah. Are you Carol Ann on Shudder? Carol Ruzi? Ann. The no. first review on the Shudder app I just opened my phone is from Carol Ann. And she says, really enjoyed, but wish the ending was better. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, you, you caught me reading the <laughs> <laughs> I feel, no, but I, I even looking through shutter or um, letterbox reviews this morning. I noticed that's that's honestly my criticism as well with it is 
it just kind of fizzles out but like, it doesn't really have the the punch that you know the story kind of felt like it was setting up yeah, it had um, so many cool ideas and i feel like it just kind of like didn't know how to put them all together at the very end yeah it's it's one of those like uh you know it sounds flippant and kind of like i don't mean it in a rude way that it is kind of just like a run-of-the-mill folk horror story at, at this point and it's like you know the, there are some interesting elements that they're playing with in terms of like uh this character's past and her connection to the community and how like everyone's just kind of weirded out by her and they like we the we get little breadcrumbs of who she was and and how like she might still not be a person that's fit to be out in the open that's all interesting stuff but uh yeah it's it's one of those ones that i just kind of think it's forgettable like i i saw it this morning and um but that's the thing is shutter has been doing that they've been putting out a lot of like really ones that you know i hadn't looking at the title speak no evil i was like this is gonna be terrible like it's gotta be like it's such a bad title but then you watch the movie and it's like oh i just watched a michael haneke movie it's not made by michael haneke totally and and then the you even find out like from the way that that movie ends which is that's the last thing i would use to describe speak no evil's ending is forgettable yeah. um but that's the thing and it, it pulls you in with like this the title isn't all that bad afterwards either like it's not not as cheesy as you expect but like uh but yeah no i i'm pretty lukewarm on mandrake but i think i gotta let it simmer a little bit more yeah i i actually think that a good uh comparable to this would be like something like the wretched where it's like it it has a lot of these elements that could make something well it's the thing is like it had so many cool elements and a cool idea it just feels like that at some point it it just didn't flow together that's where i feel like these two feel a lot the same if you've seen the wretched because i feel like a lot of people that had seen it are kind of disappointed it's still a good movie though yeah yeah lots of people enjoy that one um i'll just knock one off quickly because i don't have much to say about it because it, it was a special it's one that i watched a couple weeks ago is werewolf by night on uh on disney I wanted plus to check this out that's what Bo- boozy had recommended he's like we should do an episode on that i'm like boozy hates marvel <laughs> i was like i don't think you know that this is it's a marvel like i it feel opens like marvel the avengers i feel like marvel has to make something for me eventually well, if if there is something for you, then this might be it. Um, right. I definitely didn't. I think, I think I'm just in a place right now where I'm not taking the Marvel Cinematic Universe as seriously as I once did, and um, I still like enjoy the movies for the most part. I haven't is seen that Wakanda just like fatigue. Yet, but... I have huh? to. I have to ask. Is that is that like fatigue? If I had to watch like. I think another just, Halloween movie every year would probably like kill me eventually. Yeah. Well, in yeah. And you're feeling it with star Wars right now, which I'll also mention afterwards, but like, uh, but with, with Marvel, it's that they, they set the bar. So they covered so much ground already that it's kind of hard to find where we're going to see something, something fresh come out of this. And even mm-hmm. where I thought werewolf by night did that to a certain extent, but then it's at some points it does just kind of divulge right back into like Marvel fair uh, but I do think that, you know, a lot of the criticisms it's been taking is that it's like cheesy and corny and like, I'm like, yeah, it knows it, it, it's trying to harken back to those universal monsters days. And the thing is, it's only doing that in aesthetic, in an aesthetic way. They're not actually like the story doesn't feel like a universal monster story. So I think that's where there's a lot of divide by, among the fans of both things like monster movies and Marvel movies. It's kind of one that feels like it's not made for either of them uh but i did have enough fun watching it i really liked i can't remember the character's name but he's like craig did you see this one 
Yeah, I did. Yeah. Did it did the the creep the big creature that man thing? Gotta, yeah, man thing. That that thing was awesome. So, yeah, like, yeah, man thing is great. Uh, yeah. I saw it. I didn't really love it. I, I loved what it was trying to be. Uh, like I definitely loved all the. Uh, like you said, the look of it is is like yeah. a classic universal monster film, uh, and the setup is fine. Whatever, there's some good actors and stuff in it. I think the best part of it was that they brought Man Thing into the like MCU, and he's yeah. he's great in it too. Totally um, steals the show. Yeah, so I just I don't know. I found it a little bit like I don't know if boring's the right word, but it just kind of like it was just like a series of fights with not much story behind it. Really, yeah. uh, I think on the even on the Marvel thing, I think you're right. There's like I actually I saw Wakanda Forever a day or so ago too, uh, and it's okay. It's it's definitely overstuffed and it's it's yeah. too long, but not long enough at the same time because there's so many kind of plots. Like they drop all these characters into it. And then you don't see them again. Uh, but, you know, overall, I didn't mind it. I really like what they did with uh, uh, Prince uh, uh, Namor. Yeah. Uh, Namor, as I called him when I was a kid, but Namor, as he's called in the movie. Um, but the thing about the, like, Marvel uh, and the Star Wars thing is there's definitely fatigue. But I think Marvel has at least been able to establish that, like, uh, they can do different things in that universe. And I think they established that early even by going, like, hey, Captain America 2 is a 70s paranoid thriller. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, you know, Black Widow is a uh, like kind of Russian spy movie. You know, like each one kind of has its own little lane that it's in cribbing from other genres. Uh, and so you even have like She-Hulk, uh, yeah. which like I went to watch it with my daughter thinking she'll like it. It's a, you know, female superhero. She's really into superheroes. And there's like almost no superheroing in it. It's like, it's, yeah. it's Ally McBeal basically. Yeah. Uh, but I, oddly enough, I didn't mind it. And the, and the ending was very interesting on that one. And so I think, you know, you've got werewolf by night doing the horror thing, she Hulk being Ally McBeal, all these things, uh, you know, kind of trying to be something else. But then you look at star Wars, and I'm actually just still working my way through Andor right now. And it's actually getting way better in the second half. And the music is just killer in it. But like, there's no like, all you can be in that is a smuggler or a rebel or a farmer. Like, there's no like, uh, there's no like, where are the space lawyers? Is. Yeah, there's no lawyers. There's no like, <laughs> you know, space so I think lawyers. that's where they kind of get trapped in that like yeah. uh, shell yeah. a little bit. You can you either have to be like a Jedi or an empire or an imperial guy or yeah. something. There's no like, oddly, oddly neighbors. enough, like that's yeah. And like we know because we've all been friends for a, a while now, and we've we've had plenty of discussions on Star Wars, especially. And uh, like, I'm a guy who loved mandalorian like it was just super fun enjoyed it but then like obi-wan i i honestly fucking hated like it just <laughs> it, it killed me watching it i there was just so much about it that i didn't like and boba fett i couldn't even finish i'm four episodes into andor and i'm fucking loving it like i yeah. i can't believe how it gets better too yeah and man i don't know like i i was i was like oh god that's a sad day when i have star wars fatigue like where like that just shouldn't i'm the guy who gave attack the clones a pass for half my life <laughs> like i shouldn't be you know i grew up with those prequels so i inherently just enjoyed them more than what uh, i'm sure a lot of other people did but Andor, i do feel like I, it's taken me so long to press play on it because i'm like i just don't i don't know i just could couldn't be less interested and then i finally did it and i'm i'm really enjoying it it obviously has like it's like a dire like a dire looking blade runner whereas blade runner is like such a dire story um, but it's so visually beautiful and it has all these like lights and everything, but, and, or it's, it's surprising me with, uh, with some of the themes that they're tackling in a star Wars story. Yeah. 
Well, and Pacific again, pay attention to the music because it's so yeah. good. Yeah, it's no, like it's... this sort of synthwave, uh, electronic, uh, yeah. almost John Carpentery in places. Like yeah. it's it's really good. It's just mo- and that was one of my things. Like I liked Rogue One a lot. Like I, I was I was a fan of that as well. But yep. at the same time, you know exactly what's going to happen to all of these characters because like we know the the canon of Star Wars and what what it's going to lead up to. But the thing that I'm loving most about Andor, even more so than Rogue One, is I know that this guy dies, but I'm still like kind of sweating every time he gets himself in this. Right. And I'm like, that's just it's a testament to how how good this the script is. Like it's the story is really solid in Andor. And uh, yeah, once we finish up today, I'm probably going to keep crushing it because I was just watching it right before we started, actually. You were? I was. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's cool, man. I, I'm uh, I'm definitely enjoying Andor a lot more than I thought I would. And I think, Boozy, you're going to, too, especially you like the darker side of Star Wars. Right. This is, and, this is and, very well, much... and the other thing is, like, I, I was going to throw my my hat into here is that I, I actually really enjoyed Boba Fett. And I know, like, for the mm-hmm. most part, a lot of people, especially the Star Wars friends they have, didn't enjoy it. And I don't know, like, I, I understand a lot of the gripes, especially in terms of like the story and, and plot holes or whatever. But I don't know. I just thought it was a fun story. It, was, it reminded me of like Shrek almost. It was, it was just like it was just fucking Shrek and Donkey wandering around doing shit. Um, and I also really enjoy that. Uh, it's, I was I was about it from the start, but I'm glad to see so many people are coming around on Rogue One because like in terms yeah. of being like a one off Rogue One is really good. And like you're saying, that is a testament that, you know, all the characters are going to perish and you're still like feeling sorry for them, which totally. is like and yeah. you, you introduce a suicide robot. We're going to love it. Oh, man, I love the thing that's cool about Rogue One, not to go down too deep of a Star Wars hole here, but yeah. like is unlike almost anything else they've ever done, it's super morally ambiguous. Like you've always Mm -hmm. got the dark side and the light side and you're either a good guy or a bad guy. But like right near the beginning of Rogue One, like he kills some guy in an alley, like just to like, he'll do whatever it takes for the for the furtherment of the rebellion or whatever and somebody's got to do that dirty stuff while everybody else stands on their high horse in the rest of the universe, you know? I always thought that was a really neat thing about it. And I think that's continued in uh, Andor. Yeah, no, definitely. And I know that this is totally my fault that I derailed this onto a Star Wars discussion <laughs> on a horror podcast. But uh, I think a lot of our listeners are still, you know, Star Wars fans. But I will get I'll close up my thought. The last thought I have about Werewolf by Night can lead into my very last thought about another thing that isn't horror. That I'm going to quickly mention and we can move on. Um, but Werewolf by Night, the one thing that really took me out of it, which is, you know, that's a me thing, not not the the show's problem. But I was like, oh, God, imagine if they do the the Schindler's List thing. And this, and then they fucking do. Oh right, <laughs> like, like with the the, the red. Yeah. yeah, I was like, so, and then yeah, I don't know. I, I, I that took me out of it a little bit. But overall, Werewolf by Night is just fine for me. Like it was, if it would have been an hour and a half, I don't know how much I would have been been about it. But the fact that it's just a little special, I kind of hope we get more stuff like this. Um, it's just yeah, it's a different something semi different in the Marvel universe. So I welcome that, and. The Schindler's List correlation being I watched All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a movie that Boozy talked about last week. It's an episode that's coming up tomorrow. Uh, but I just want to throw my head in the ring there and say I entirely agree. I was blown away by that movie. Uh, I watched good. that one on on uh, Remembrance Day. And I'm not a war epic guy. Like I just have I have a lot of a uh, I have trouble getting into them like for Dunkirk, like every and I know that that's kind of a part of it is 
everyone just feels the same. And that that's kind of a point of the story is that these people are just assembly line being sent off to the slaughter. Um, but all quiet on the Western front, the way that they, they've centered the story around the one character and you see all of the brutality and, and horror that comes with the, the first great war, like the trench warfare, Boozy and I even talked about, there's a scene with a tank that I was like, I cannot believe what I'm looking at right now. Uh, yeah, I loved it. It's without a doubt, one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. I I was very taken aback by how much I loved, uh, you know, how much I, it connected with me. Like it just, it was a very powerful film. Right. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we get into the Terminator? Jack, I want you to draw me like one of your French girls. I have two I'm so bad with accents. The Terminator. (laughs) I have, I have two more things here. Okay. Uh, so the first one actually tricked me because I thought it was a horror movie, but it turns out it was just a melodrama. Uh, I'll just get out of the way real fast. I watched 2019's Light from Light. Uh, it stars Marin Ireland and Jim Gaffigan, if everyone knows who Jim Gaffigan <laughs> you is. You thought that was a horror movie? Yeah. Well, okay. So it's uh, the premise is a single mother and part-time paranormal investigator is asked to look at a haunting at a widow's, far- a widow's farmhouse. So okay. I was like, okay, that's a pretty cool premise or whatever. And the, even if you look at the cover art for it, it looks like a horror film. But just getting into it, it is a lot of fucking talking. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, for a horror podcast, it's probably not the best thing to review because it's not a horror movie and doesn't really fit in. But, I mean, the premise, I I don't know. You, you put a fucking haunting in a movie. I assume, Nobody's doing like a... Is anyone doing a, a comedy that's a haunting? Oh, yeah. There's, there's lots of them. Yeah, and they're they're good, but I also in Boozy's defense, I just looked at the poster for this Light from Light, and it definitely looks like a like Tiff Sundance horror film. Yeah, like, it, I and I was like, okay, like there's lots of uh, comedians who get it's into got horror really movies. Really good reviews. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Like I, I think uh, maybe if I had looked at it under a different lens, that it would have been a better. But yeah, it's just a very long drama with a lot of talking. You, um, we, we hate talking we here. fucking hate no it. character development show us show us wishmaster too i want all <laughs> my characters to be like michael myers and just nod at each other yeah and wishmaster uh, and wishmaster uh and then the last one i'll mention which is my other uh shutter experience for the day and something that i want to continue is i started watching uh the first season of interview with the vampire that just came out this year nice. i'm curious about this <clears throat> and so far, very cool. I like it a lot. I think they they a thing that they really do well is and which kind of the crux of the show is they do such a good job of having Sam Reed be this like sexy Lestat who like knows the right things to say and you can really see how like he greases the wheels on everybody. It's like it very much is it's encapsulating that like classic idea of a vampire, not the Bella Lugosi one, but more of that like the the sexy sexy and rice vampires. Yes, exactly. So and and Jacob Anderson does a terrific job as the the main star. And yeah, it's good to see a bunch of representation in film as well. It's a very diverse cast and tells this cool kind of like brothly New Orleans story with a with a vampire and so far yeah I'm really digging it I've just seen the one episode but there was already a, a threesome so you know <laughs> it, it can only get good from there but yeah it's... I can't wait I was obsessed with those books like in my 20s and I like the Neil Jordan movie but they haven't they've done it dirty like ever since the queen of the damned was terrible and uh oh, boozy loves what queen of the damned. <laughs> come on that come soundtrack on. Alone. Time we're new metal babies yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since i saw it but i remember not really loving it but again 
that might have been because I think in that movie, doesn't it kind of cram two of the books together? And yeah, it's the movie is more so like an ad for Jonathan Davis and Corn, which is why they yeah, that's why I, like oh, it. I get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a good movie, right? Yeah, especially in terms of like, yeah, the Neil Jordan one. I actually watched that recently again, and that's one that just like it has so much padding in it that just kind of you know it affects the pacing throughout it. But the yeah. the scenes where it's strong, like. Cruz and Pitt are great together in that film and yeah. I know that was like when it came out that was such a huge like uh it, that was like Twilight before Twilight where everyone was like why are they so sexy and everything and it's like <laughs> yeah that's the point of vampires though like that their allure is a very big part of the they're, story they're, yeah they're yeah. seductive they're, have um, you seen the the Tom Cruise one boozy yes i have a long time okay. ago i was gonna say they're like uh what the fuck are those things that is it mermaids that like sing sirens to the, yeah, sirens. sirens yeah they're they're land sirens <laughs> the one thing that I, that I was uh caught off by with the interview with the vampire show like first of all i didn't even know this was happening and now i'll definitely give it a look because i'm a i'm a fan of that story so i want to see it now especially with you saying it's decent uh but the poster that they have on shutter for it i'm like it looks exactly like it looks like brad pitt and tom cruise yeah that, like, that's something i noticed right off the bat too i was i was like what the are they doing like the luke skywalker thing here with brad pitt and tom cruise um like you know just de-aging them to to be in a show again but yeah no that's that's cool i'll definitely give that a look yeah so that's that's another thing that's on shutter that people can check out shout out to shutter as usual yeah awesome okay well uh craig do you have anything else you want to mention before we get on to our main feature uh i don't think so no okay let's main feature it up Awesome. All right. We will be back in a moment to discuss James Cameron's The Terminator. In the 21st century, a weapon will be invented like no other. This weapon will be powerful, versatile, and indestructible. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will feel no pity, no remorse. No pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose, to return to the present and prevent the future. This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. day is it? The date? 12th May, Thursday. What year? I'm here to help you. I'm Reese, DN38416, assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. Your future is in its hands. And welcome to our main feature presentation where we are going to be discussing the Terminator from 1984, which was written and directed by James Cameron. Uh, it was also co-written by Gail Ann Hurd. And <clears throat> it's uh, this, this one's a doozy. This is going to be one of those ones where 
where do you begin with a movie as iconic as the Terminator? And how, how do you maneuver a conversation about one of the most seminal classic action horror films of all time? Uh, but yeah, the film stars Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator, Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor, Michael Bean as Kyle Reese. Uh, we got Lance Henriksen, which there's a really cool story that I'm sure both of you know that we'll, we'll also discuss about the making of this film. But let's, uh, let's everyone knows what the Terminator is about. Most people listening to this have to have seen it. But at the same token, I will say last night I had a hangout with my friend Zach, who he, he moved here from the UK. And I, he's a guy who I took him to see Jaws because he had never seen Jaws. And I, we went and saw it on the big screen when they had their re-release. He's a very knowledgeable, intuitive film fan like he and he's a filmmaker himself. He's 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 brilliant. But we were sitting down to we were about to watch Smile, like the, the latest 2022 horror film that's just crushing in the box office. And then uh, he was asking me what he's like, what are you doing tomorrow? It's like, well, I'm recording an episode on The Terminator. And he's like, I've never seen The Terminator. And I was like, it would be a crime against humanity if I have no shade to smile. But if I allowed us to sit down and watch Smile and you haven't seen The Terminator, I will never be able to forgive myself. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm very excited to talk about how, you know, it's, it's the best watching movies this classic and amazing with someone who's never seen them before that will appreciate them. And I, I'm so happy that I got to have that experience last night. But I'm already rambling. Let's go around the table. Boozy, you, you came up with this idea to talk about the Terminator on, on the terror table. Why, why, why is that? Why did this come to be? Uh, I think it's just because I've seen a lot of discourse online, which has always got me thinking about stuff. Uh, but the, the discourse of it actually being a horror film, which uh, it, it follows all the same beats. And I, I think it's just it's it's something that definitely influenced all of us. Obviously, it's such a seminal piece of work so I, I just think it's a good conversation to have and you know like the terror table has strayed away from horror now and then but I, I still think this is something that really rides the line of it and doesn't really seem that far-fetched no it definitely is it, it, it's 100 I'll just get that out of the way that we both agree on that this is absolutely a film where like that is fitting for a horror movie podcast even though it's not generally known as that. And I think that a lot of the reason it's not known to be a horror film is because of all the stuff that came afterwards and it kind of morphed it into something mm -hmm. else. But Craig, well, take us back to, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there, Boozy. I, I guess the only thing I wanted to say just is kind of like uh, how I view it myself in my, in my dumbed down way is like, if you replaced guns with knives in this, it would just be a horror movie. That's, that's all. Yeah, it still that, is. And look at there. I know, uh, I know you're not a fan. I think neither of you guys are, but uh, like the original Terrifier ends with him shooting her in the head. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> just because it's uh, just because it's guns doesn't mean that it, that it's not a horror I, movie. I think but we, it, everyone just associates like you yeah. know your uh, the slashers or whatever. There's not like the the shooters horror movies. Yeah, yeah, totally. Except uh, for that sniping one we watched downrange for sure. Watch American Sniper. Oh, downrange. No, downrange. <laughs> American Sniper is a horror movie because that, that was a horror movie. baby. Oh, I, oh, I it's like I have an annual like every six months I end up in a place where I end up ha like I don't have to, but someone brings up American Sniper in a positive way and it goes horribly wrong for me. <laughs> Still, I, I, yeah, man. I, I was at a party the other night and someone was talking about oh, so good. 
and you know opinionated mitch can turn into a real fucking asshole you're if like I disagree. actually <laughs> actually <laughs> kyle is a monster um but shout out that baby uh craig take us back to the terminator the the your your history with the terminator take us and- back to the 80s okay uh getting your way back machine there so yeah. uh i would say I think like, again, even though I'm older than you guys and I generally probably, uh, you know, saw a lot of the part ones uh, as opposed to the sequels that you guys may have grown up. You know, we talked about Star Wars earlier. uh, Same thing, you know, uh, where, you know, you guys were of the right age when the prequels came out, whereas I was a little bit older. Uh, Terminator, though, I was in that weird state of like, I was a pretty little kid when this movie came out and you like I did see it probably. Um, you know, I was probably around the same age as my son when, when, you know, he just watched it, but it really was like Terminator two that like, you know, captured the, the zeitgeist of the world uh, at that yeah. time. And it was just such a huge blockbuster thing. And I was huge into guns and roses in high school and, and just metal music and stuff. And, right. and so again, that was on the soundtrack. Uh, um, yeah, shout out to guy, little Craig, little Craig did look like young Edward Furlong. Well, you know, what's funny is. <laughs> One of like one of my nicknames in high school was Terminator Kid because like I just I looked like the kid. I had the same haircut as Eddie Furlong, which my son actually has now. Amazing. Uh, but, Is he wearing plaid so you, as well? Uh, not well, no, not really. Yeah, but oh, uh, the Nirvana will come. I like yeah, how nobody had like a creative. Yeah. Nobody called you like some sort of take on like Edward Furlong or something. It was just yeah, no. Terminator Kid. Terminator yeah, it'd be even kid. funnier if it was John Connor or something. Yeah, <laughs> no, not not even that. Yeah, yeah, like something a little bit creative, I guess. Uh, yeah, but. But what I do remember about Terminator is obviously, like I said, uh, I told that story seeing it, uh, you know, when I was young uh, and but like rewatching it again years and years later. And I'd seen it a bunch of times, but then I didn't watch it for a long time just because I'd seen it so much. You know, when you got to take a bit of a break from something. And I went back a few years ago and I noticed this again when I watched it yesterday. It's like it's such an amazing fucking feat of lean mean storytelling especially even the first fucking 20 minutes or half hour the only person that really says anything is arnold uh like talking to bill paxton and the and the alien bounty hunter from the x-files and the other guy yeah uh like he's got a couple of bits of bits of dialogue here and there but mostly you're just you know you see them both arriving in 1984 uh and you know kyle reese is trying to get pants and the terminators they're both trying to get pants really uh and and sort of loading up on guns and I was thinking about this yesterday while watching it. Like now, you know, you watch it and you've seen it a million times. So you know exactly where everything's going, what they're doing, who they are. But my son was watching it and he's like, so wait, like, is that guy a bad guy too? Like at Kyle Reese, right? Like you don't really know what's going on. He looks through the phone book, Sarah Connor. Then you kind of meet Sarah and she's this waitress, a very soft waitress that, you know, ends up being a great turn by uh, part two when she gets all hard. But like, so like that first half hour or so of the movie is just raw storytelling. It's not a, but there's no big like exposition dumps of dialogue and crap. You know, eventually they do get some that of that comes stuff later. But, That's uh, what you know, the franchise turns into just that pretty much. But, but yeah, that first movie is just so lean and mean and just like brutal. Even uh, boozy, you were just talking about like, uh, you know, that if this was knives, it would be a slasher movie. And it's like, he kicks in that door uh, in that first Sarah Connor and just blows her away and the, yeah. and it cuts away like you see him shooting you don't see her taking bullets mm-hmm. uh but it's still again your mind fills that in right uh, and if he 
he almost is like what Michael Myers eventually becomes in that series where like, he's kind of, like in the first movie, he's just like a killer or whatever, but eventually like Voorhees or anybody else, he's this just unstoppable machine. He, uh, you know, he doesn't feel mercy. He's not going to give up. He's just going to keep coming and you can keep pumping him full of lead and he's still going to yeah. keep coming. Like there's just something, you know, I don't really think of it as a horror movie, but, uh, but I definitely would not like penalize anybody for feeling yeah. like it is. And I think it definitely has a lot of the same beats, as you said, uh, and even a lot of the imagery uh, of that. So, um, you know, even when he gets into tech noir, you maybe have more of an inkling, but you still don't really know like what Michael Bain is there to really do uh, until he, you know, the fateful moment of like, come with me if you want to live, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Totally. So, and yeah, like that's that was one of the, the best things about watching it again, especially with my friend last night, is just realizing how actually brilliant the storytelling is, like you said, and how you you know like nothing about these guys until you know, obviously, this is a major spoiler for the Terminator franchise that most people have seen. But how Sarah like Kyle Reese is Sarah is John Connor's biological father, and how like that that timeline is so easily muddled throughout the rest of the franchise but it's yeah. still so like like you said lean and mean and quick in this original terminator movie yeah. and, and then uh from like a filmmaking standpoint like again it, it was a lot of it was shot real guerrilla style where they're like yeah. in la at night and and they have to get there before the cops actually like the real cops show up and, and yeah. then they scatter uh and so you know part two becomes this insane different level of amazing filmmaking uh like on a blockbuster scale but this one is that b movie rawness and what i love about these movies and this isn't to like shit talk cgi or something because it definitely yeah. has its place but like going back to just the fucking sheer creativity of some of these things and i'm really thinking of some scenes in uh, terminator 2 as opposed to terminator but i feel like we're going to veer into that a little bit but there's like uh, i can't remember if this is in the movie or if it's a, a cut scene but like there's a scene where like uh, they, they, they stop to rest uh, Connor, uh, both the Connors and the Terminator and Sarah Connors kind of mucking about trying to take the chip out of the Terminator's head. Cause they're doing some stuff. Uh, and they show like the robots like that. You got real Arnold Schwarzenegger on one side of the mirror and then like a fake yeah. robot, like a, a, yeah. a effects version of him on the other side. And then Sarah Connor. And you're like, well, how the fuck did they do that? Like there was yeah. no CGI. And it's cause Linda Hamilton as a fucking twin. Oh, I There's didn't know that. Yes. So like, and it's the same with the guy at the beginning. Uh, the Well, it's, I guess it's at Pescadero or whatever. He's like kind of fat guard or whatever gets the coffee. And then he turns around and sees himself there and he gets the, he gets the finger mm -hmm. in the eye. Same thing. The guy's a fucking twin. Like, <laughs> so just the sheer brilliance of that problem solving, like of like, you know, now you would just do that CGI or something, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But uh, then they didn't even split screen it. Like they just were like, just hire two guys that are the same guy. Or in the case, the star has a twin. Let's just get her. I just, I love that like kind of problem solving creativity of film, uh, especially like from the eighties, whether we're talking horror movies or practical effects, like in the thing, or, uh, you know, a lot of the effects, even, even some of the effects you watch in Terminator when he's like pulling the eye out and stuff. Yeah. It looks kind of fake. It looks very fake, actually. Yeah. But it's also supposed to be this like flesh yeah. uh, over top of this uh, robotic endoskeleton. How would that look in reality? Wouldn't it look exactly. a bit uncanny valley if he starts pulling out his eye mm -hmm. and stuff? So like you kind of can go with the practical effects a bit, you know? Totally. And that, 
yeah and that that's something that's so interesting about this franchise in particular and like the man who is behind it like james cameron is he's a guy who takes so much hate for the amount like he he's always been that filmmaker that's always tried to blend new technology with whatever he was doing and i uh i personally will have none of the james cameron smack like people just love like they love uh smashing that guy like people love to hate him and it's because of like you know the avatar movies and Obviously, I think he also lost a lot of people with Titanic, which is kind of yeah. ironic since it's it's that there's not a bad movie. Um, but like you look at the original and even like Terminator 2 is specifically where they do start doing like implementing all the groundbreaking visual effects and melding it with the the practical. But yeah, like you had said though, that's the thing that makes the the original Terminator so pure is that it's just so it's so like you said, guerrilla style and handmade and and really creative and you know you don't lose that in terminator 2 it just gets a little more out of hand yeah it's but just a bigger scale exactly mm-hmm. and um i don't know there's, there's something about james cameron like obviously it's something i haven't even mentioned but i know i have to have mentioned it on this podcast many times before but like terminator and terminator 2 are like two of the my foundational movies like ones totally. that really morphed me into who i am today and like it goes back to my dad was uh, he owned a video an audio an audio and home theater store and, you know, instead of having a, a babysitter, he would just put me in the showroom and I'd watch Terminator 2 on repeat. Uh, <laughs> so like that's that was the movie that just kind of raised me much like another franchise that Cameron is involved with or was involved with that suffered the similar fate to the Terminator franchise is Alien. And right. like how, you know, he came in and did Aliens and a lot of people, they always argue about like, well, alien or aliens what's your favorite and i think a lot of us as kids we loved aliens and then you get a little bit older and you start to just have a different appreciation for different parts of films and that's why alien is now like head and shoulders above above aliens for me which is still an incredible movie like i love aliens but cameron did both the original terminator and terminator 2 so it's like it's not like you know with with alien it was yeah that they're completely different filmmakers so of course they're going to be completely different styles of films but um, I feel like you have the same debate about the first two and then like alien, it's just nothing but diminishing returns. Like there, we have some of the worst sequels ever in both of these franchises. Yeah. Um, even like I had, I had openly said like when I first saw dark fate, I, I was like, I think it's because I had seen so much of the horrible things they had done to the franchise before that, where I was like, Hey, this wasn't that bad. And like, I actually kind of enjoyed some of it, but I tried watching it again yesterday and you just it's just not comparable when you have just watched the original terminator it's they're completely different beasts and you see why everything worked in the terminator and the things that don't work in dark fate and when they're trying to when they're trying to reinvigorate like new blood or like new ideas into this franchise it's just so hard when you you have such an incredible starting point um but yeah i'm getting a little off topic here uh yeah like this movie had a six million dollar budget is based off of one of james cameron's nightmares uh there's just so much creativity behind this whole thing but i think the true this was also like the true beginning of stan winston uh which is mm-hmm. the like we had just to craig you had mentioned the the scene where arnie's kind of trying to repair himself and it's so till this day just so visceral and like you know sitting next to my friend he just he's right from the uk so he's he keeps going, oh my God, that's hideous. It's hideous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's incredible seeing how it works so well all these years later. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, where, where, where should we go from this? Let's, let's talk a little bit about 
how originally I know James Cameron had written the role for Lance Henriksen, which it would have made a whole different story here is if we would have had, I love Lance so much. And I think it's too frail. Yeah. Even even then he was too old as the Terminator. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I know OJ Simpson was like, got close, but they thought he was too nice or whatever. And then I think Schwarzenegger was originally, uh, I don't know how far they went with this, but he was like originally maybe going to play Kyle Reese even, but yeah. uh, Again, like from a casting point of view, if you think about like Arnold Schwarzenegger now, I mean, he's the governor, he's the governator, he's the yeah. he's the one of the biggest uh, action movie franchise stars in uh, history. But in 1984, he was kind of this goofy, accented bodybuilder guy who had made like Hercules goes bananas and and like yeah. you know uh, movies in that vein. Mm-hmm. And then it worked for him though that he was this sort of. Uh, almost i'm gonna say alien presence uh in the sense that like he's just so larger than life he's huge and and like i said that that austrian accent that he has uh and his and his acting was is wooden right yeah. and you know we've forgiven him that over the years because he's just made it work but like in that role it was so perfect to play yeah. this robot killer that's not quite human but looks human you know yeah uh, great casting there no, I, I totally agree. I have a bunch of weird things to say about this movie. So I'm going to say that first off, seeing the Orion logo, I love, love it when I see the Orion. I yeah. don't know. It's just, it's comfort. Orion. It's yeah. it's comfort. Sorry, yeah, Orion. It's, it's comfort food when I see that. Also, if you really get down to this, it's funny to think that this movie kind of hinges, the story hinges on a phone book. <laughs> yeah. Like, because they have like the addresses there. So it was like, thinking about it, it's like man what if they just didn't have phone books for these guys well do you know what they would do they would do that i had an extra layer of laughter about that last time i watched it because i think i've talked about this on the show too but there was one time on facebook i opened up my messages and i'd gotten a message from a mitch oliver and there was like 140 other mitch olivers in the chat and it was like right, yeah. he just said evening fellows <laughs> i was like he oh rounded God, up is, all the mitches this is my sarah connor moment yeah, um, but that's I bet you a... there's way more than three Sarah Connors in L.A. Oh, as yeah. well, by the way. Yeah, yeah. no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> so I think that's a, it's kind of like a fun idea of it. Um, I want to say it's so nice to see so many colonial Marines in this movie. Yes. Uh, right from the start, like you'd mentioned with Lance Hendrickson. Um, and then also one person in this film who he, he doesn't have a very big role, but I just somebody I personally love is Dick Miller. Dick yeah. Miller, a horror icon. Has that just guy, a, Dick Miller. That guy right. done everything. It was it's really He's like nice. A gun to... store owner, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He is. So I it's, never... it's real. So go ahead, Mitch. No, just about <laughs> Dick Miller. I had never picked up on that until this recent watch, where like Artie's trying to pick which guns he wants, and he mentions like a plasma rifle. He's like, "Hey, man, only what you see." Just yeah. like, buddy, because he's from a different, like you know, my young brain where I was watching the Terminator, I wasn't paying attention to those little subtle nuances where it's like yeah. he's from the future where he's talking about guns that don't even exist yet um it's just for being a, for being a robot he has a couple like humor moments and i i think that bringing this levity every once in a while to his character is is fun and i don't think takes away from how serious he is supposed to be um and i i know greg we're kind of tracing back a little bit just kind of mentioning about the similarities to halloween which you're always going to see in michael myers i mean you have this idea of a relentless force you see the hero or you see the villain before the hero which how often does that happen in movies and i i think it's so more much more impactful that you're you're instantly shown like this is the odds you know once you figure it out because yeah like it's it's very ambiguous at the start with kyle reese as well uh 
but it's just even the fact that uh arnie kills one of the people by like attacking by lifting him up do you know what i mean like he, he rips out his heart i believe oh yeah yeah so it's like they have little moments like that and another thing i i picked up this time that i never noticed is arnie in terms of having a little michael myerisms is he just disappears sometimes like the perfect example is after that car crash where they get arrested you know all the the cops show mm-hmm. up there um and he disappears and that's kind of that whole tension building scene of them walking up to the car to be like oh fuck what's he gonna do to these cops which eventually does later but it's it's such cool moments like that that i think add to kind of like the horrorisms of it that yeah. kind of like you know your villain can disappear whenever because they have that kind of like supernatural ability almost that yeah like you were saying that even that jasonism yeah and they're like impossible to defeat like that's one of the best things about the original terminators it's like mm-hmm. they literally destroy him constantly and it's just still nothing's working oh and like, i oh i can't imagine being in theaters when that came out and seeing the scene where he they get down to his exoskeleton yeah and it's on fire come, oh man yeah because yeah that's your your classic like oh okay there's the end of the movie and then it's like oh shit he got up from that even that's when you, yeah that's i think a moment like that all on like honestly adds to the i guess the built-in lore of like this terminator character that even when it's down to like all of that it's you know it can be destroyed cut in half or whatever and it still keeps going and going and going yeah speaking a quick note here you mentioned some of the comedy this is in part two and i noticed a line yesterday that i'd never noticed before and i'm like was this not like is in previous versions like is this just it was the netflix version i watched uh but it's right near the end and they're fighting in the uh the big like steel plant or whatever and i think i think it's right after trying to think i think it's like right after the t-1000s defeated but arnie comes up and he's all messed up and he's missing an arm and he goes i need a vacation (laughs) it's just like what (laughs) what kind of why does he have a concept of a vacation yeah yeah, exactly i laughed really hard but (laughs) yeah and that's something that they they do like so heavily in the sequel that you know kind of makes it's one of those ones where We'll always have the original and it will always be able to stand on its own. But you mm-hmm. do take away it takes away from parts of the character when you do see them change so significantly in sequels, especially well, ones he, as good as Terminator 2. But he becomes the, the buddy. Yeah, he's, he's a, buddy. he turns into a cuddly like buddy cop movie. They, ex- they explain it well. Uh, and he's trying out the different things off still Vista, obviously, like his John Connor teaches him how to like, you know, speak like a normal person instead of a robot from the future. Yeah. But it's almost like in that line, he's like, just trying out some material or something I, like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> he's just throwing anything at the wall. overtime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also have to ask, this is kind of, I don't know, maybe if I, I just drew weird conclusions from this, but hear me out on this. So when Kyle is explaining like the the famous line about you know it can't be reason with it can't stop doesn't feel pain which is a a great yeah it it really enforces because Arnie actually does all the things he talks about and it's it's kind of that nice reinforcement I feel like anytime Kyle I know he has a couple longer like monologues like that but I I don't find it cheap I actually feel like it it helps Michael Bean is great in this movie and he's a guy who's just like he he was so criminally like cast in different roles that just weren't meant for him yeah and uh like this is this is something that he just thrives in and it, this and aliens specifically like he's just yeah. so good as this he's, character he's this great underdog hero that you yeah. want to cheer for all that he's not like and that's less, it's, it's great that he's not built like arnie so yeah he has less, to be resourceful less so when he's Brittany murphy's dad 
in Cherry Falls where they have an odd <laughs> level of sexual chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, I just wanted to go back. So with that monologue there talking about that, I find that it shadows almost um, when Ash is talking about the Xenomorph and the first aliens, having that little bit of dialogue that I, I kind of noticed that there are a little bit of similarities when they talk about like being a perfect organism. I thought that was very interesting. And I always wonder if like subconsciously that's a thing, like the guy who directed aliens obviously had seen alien wave you know when yeah. it first came out that's 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 just kind of a thought i had with that i also well, want to say that go ahead just even like because i know we're, we're just all of us are big fans <clears throat> of alien and aliens i'm assuming you're a big fan of aliens as well craig oh yeah. um yeah and it's like you just see so much of the filmmaker who would go on to make a movie as grandiose as aliens from terminator like this oh. is like such a mic drop moment because like that's the thing is even six million dollars is not a lot for a movie in this era and like the level of effects and the yeah the especially like the explosions and stuff too and that's and also now like thinking about the star power but the thing is at this time they they weren't stars mm-hmm. so it's it's brilliant but sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there no no, no. um i kind of just wanted to go like i have a couple different directions i want to talk about because like terminator is fucking incredible it's um it is the best. But I want to talk about one thing is uh, a lot of times we talk about how having just the, the text at the start of a film can be kind of lazy filmmaking sometimes. And there, obviously there are the exceptions, you know, you got your yeah. Star Warses, but I, I find that like it settles you into the right mood for when it does come in with the, uh, you know, when you have all the miniatures and I mean, granted, some of them don't look as good. I think uh, oh, a lot still of take them every day. I oh, love, no, I, I yeah. 100% agree. I think some of the stuff actually uh, with it's not the hunter killers, it's the larger like the tank robots, some yeah. of that where they have like the the characters in front of that with like the projections. Some of that looks fantastic. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it holds up comparable to a lot of things that came out even today. Like I think it, it really puts you in that element. Yeah. It doesn't have that that gloss that you'd see in something like well, a that's like what, a Terminator series or not that's a Terminator, what I, a Transformers series. I yeah, guess. well, that's what I took from watching starting. Uh, and I don't mean to beat up on Dark Fate because, like I said, I've only seen it the one time. I saw it in the theater, and I actually remember leaving. Which one again. is that? Is that the one so with, where Linda um, Hamilton's back? It's the Halloween 2018, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's yeah. like the like classic legacy sequel. Um, but that's the thing is like so much of what makes Terminator and even Terminator 2 special is completely lost in those movies. Yeah. And I'm not a guy who hates visual effects, but when you know, when you see the opening to Terminator 2 and you see like the, the T the machines, you know, even just rising up and fighting in that, in that war zone. And then you flash forward to dark fate. It's like, it looks like an Xbox game and it's yeah. like so glossy and clean. And I'm like, I know that that's me turning into a curmudgeon old man being like back in my day, it was way better, but it's, it's just true. It's just, it, it, when it's real and when you can feel that it's real it makes the Mm -hmm. whole experience so much more believable and and impressive to me but yeah and and when you're talking about a lot of those the effects that they use i think some of the transitions in this are just brilliant you have you know uh with the the construction zone you have like the half track going across and then it turns into being the tank in the future they kind of cut back and forth with those he's like taking a ptsd nap or something (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) or you know they have one where it goes up into the sky and then it comes back down which is always a classic one but then they're in that that war zone so stuff like that and i i just want to say that like one thing that is kind of underrated with this this series almost is how good the music is especially yes. in this one yes Brad Fidel, baby yeah and and it's not just that it's that like it has this interesting futuristic sound but they have so many layers of like 
primitive instruments and in like there's a lot of like primitive like drumming and stuff like this so yeah. it's it's kind of bringing that like uh how like the synthetic versus the skin kind of sound to it which is yeah. it's impressive yeah, like it's this primal is a good word for it. yeah, yeah it, totally yeah, like, still futuristic yeah and yeah. it's like it will amp you up like when it needs you to and like you know even in the opening title card it's just mm -hmm. it's one of the most iconic pieces of movie music ever but then watching like the Lyndall Hamilton, Michael Bean sex scene where they use the same the same like musical beats, but, but it's, it's so organic up. and it's like, yeah. you know, struck plucked and everything. And it's so beautiful, though. And it's, it's like also... how Jordan Peele does trailers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's just yeah, I, I do. I like that you I like that. I, I didn't really think of it that way that how, you know, they, they utilize the, the same piece of music in so many different ways. Yeah. And it, it just works and it's so it's so beautiful and it's, it adds such an, a level of energy to the film that, you know, I'm sure that's one of the main reasons why it also just works so well till this day. It yeah. just has a pacing that it's it's just so it's always just moving and it's it's always entertaining. It's never boring. And it does like the action rises really well. If you think about like, you know, everything I said about the beginning, but when you start to get into the middle of it more. Uh, and the shit hits the fan and she ends up at the police station. How many movies, especially horror movies, have we seen where they do everything possible in the plot, in, including like giant plot holes to avoid involving police or parents even or yeah. like any sort of any sort of dis figure. Yeah, disciplinaries. Yeah, yeah. And so like showing that and then you have like Paul Winfield uh, and Lance Henriksen uh, and they have some good like banter and stuff. And you think, oh, these guys are going to be able to like solve this problem. Yeah, the they're the, the good cop, bad cop. Yeah. 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 And then they're going to have the like authority and power to like help Sarah deal with this or whatever. But then they like he takes out 17 cops or whatever they said in the second movie. And I, I remember even absorbing this yesterday while I was watching it uh, and not having really thought about it that much before. But like when Paul Winfield gets killed, it's like you're just oh that guy's gone i guess like he just takes yeah. like a, a machine gun volley yeah they do, they do build them like... up yeah they they build them up as these secondary characters where you're like okay they're gonna they're gonna help destroy the terminator at the end you know the police are gonna help you guys out or whatever it's yeah and it it really was something like that i think a, a scene like that especially reinforced that like the terminator was unstoppable at this point because yeah there's like what are they gonna do next? And I know that you know in the future ones they get into like the military stuff, but just that idea of like having a guy walking around in your city that can't be destroyed, and it's just it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, no, it's absolutely brilliant, and that's yeah, like uh, one thing I guess because we've already uh, unless you guys have other things that you, I just don't want to drag out stuff that doesn't need to be dragged out. We've already mm -hmm. covered a lot of really the juicy bits of Terminator. So I do want to originally I was like Boozy, should we just make this a series and do all the Terminator movies? But before I could even send that message, I was like, I don't think I can actually I, I've finally gotten to that age. Like I'm the guy who's seen the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie multiple times. That one is, one that, was enough. That one part of me enough. has changed now, though. Like it's like I don't I simply Your time is not, precious. Time is it means more as you get older. And you also as you find that there's so many other like things well, I could be watching. They're also throwing so much more content at us than yeah, they used totally. to. Because I used to rewatch a lot of stuff and I still buy yeah. a lot of stuff. And then it ends up a lot of it just sitting on the shelf because I'm just always watching between movies and TV, like whatever, you know, whatever the new big thing is that I got to got to watch. But um, yeah. uh, I'm the dark fate thing. I remember not minding it in the theater, even though yeah. it was like, I don't know, this is kind of pointless or like didn't didn't need to exist. But uh, I think I tried to watch it again and it, it was like... I, 
tedious. I, it just bored me to tears like the second time. Like it, it opens up with like the that's what everyone's wondering. Like when you're doing a legacy sequel, and this was right at the beginning of like when they were really trying to hammer home all these legacy sequels. I know we're still living in it right now, but like you know we're bringing back Linda Hamilton, we're bringing back Arnold, and like uh, so well, you wonder. What, it's like well they can't bring Eddie back. They need <laughs> like, what they should have done is clean that motherfucker up, get totally. him in rehab, and yes. get him back in there. Yes. Then then you've got a movie again. Exactly. But instead they used his likeness for yeah. uh, and put him on a body and fucking killed John Connor, yeah. unwriting the whole franchise. Yeah. Like in a, in within the first sixty seconds of the movie, the whole franchise means nothing now. It's like yeah. everything that happened doesn't fucking matter. And there are still like, you know, even watching it again there, as far as I got into it, there are moments where it's like, yeah, this is some decent action, but it's not James Cameron action. It's not even remotely comparable to the action that we came to this franchise that, that we, we know and love from this franchise. This it feels is one more... of those things, too, where like, you know, you talked about uh, how the first two movies, you know, it, they were imprinted on all of us like a yeah. duck to its like mother or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so. Like every time one of these movies comes out, I'm like, God damn it. Like I got to <laughs> go always give it a chance. See it and yeah, yeah, I got to go watch it. And they always stink. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, what's funny is I actually don't mind number three. I wish oh, that Eddie Furlong had been in it, but yeah. I love the ending of it. Like there's yeah. a lot of bullshit in that movie. And a lot of it's really just copying beats from Terminator two. But yeah. like, I love that the end of that movie ends with like, Oh, like we couldn't stop it. Now we're just in this shelter and the nuclear war is happening. And, and now he's going to become John Connor. Like, yeah, you know, that I will agree with. I like the end, the, the ending I can appreciate, but that yeah, is by far my least favorite of the whole franchise. Like I even fucking... more than the one with uh, Christian Bale. Gen- oh yeah. I, honestly, salvation. honestly, salvation wasn't that bad. I it will was say boozy. It was the no, thing is, it gives you all you want. It gives you this, oh. it gives you all you want. It just takes you to the future. So you can see what the world is. It's That's- for me, it's like a it's that's a trailer moment movie where it's like I like the idea of what they're going with here, but like when you actually try and sit down and watch it again, man, that movie drags. Like I, I'm honestly getting hyped. I feel like I should just rewatch all of them. Do and it. you're right, it's it's diminishing returns. Yeah. And like yeah, like I feel like three jumped the shark, and then from there they're awful. And yeah, we'll keep going. If they announce another Terminator tomorrow, and if they announce another game tomorrow. I'll probably go see it. I feel like it, I feel like it Definitely might find it might finally be dead because like yeah. the dark fate <laughs> was a massive, massive bomb. Hey, what about uh, the television series? Have I never watched that? it. The, the Sarah because it's with Lena uh, Headey, isn't it? Yeah. Lena Headey plays Sarah Connor, which is fucking brilliant casting, yeah. actually. And there's some kid that plays John Connor. That's good. And then Summer Glau plays a good terminator that's there to like protect him in a similar manner to uh, t2 or whatever yeah, uh, i had seen part like, of that it was actually pretty good it is decent actually like uh i don't know if they stretched it fully out it was like two seasons and i, maybe I think it got canceled by the end, bef- but before it, it uh was able to finish it from what yeah, i've heard really is that they have it, a, but... a cult fan base for it and it yeah it didn't have the the payoff at the very end yeah. i would say that's probably the best thing they've done outside of like t1 and 2 like yeah but yeah well, I, I i like i i haven't seen any of it and i can already picture lena hetty is playing a great sarah connor yeah um and that great. that's something that we even you know obviously this episode is primarily on the terminator but you you just they're so synonymous with each other you need to you need to discuss t2 as well mm-hmm. and like that's i understand why like there's a lot of i feel like as i've gotten older i see more people like they feel like 
if they loved the first Terminator, they got to hate the second one. And I think that's such a silly stance to, to have because they're so different, but they're both brilliant. And I will say as, as like as I've aged, as I've watched the movies over and over again, I have I start to, you know, be more pulled towards certain things that, you know, I would have disagreed with in my childhood. But like in that saying that I prefer alien over aliens, I prefer the Terminator over Terminator 2. Yeah. But Terminator 2 is also maybe the most influential movie I have like I, I had ever experienced. Like that movie absolutely changed me. But it's so crazy how they took the story of the, the original Terminator and then completely flipped the script. You even you don't see Sarah Connor become who Sarah Connor is and what people know her as until T2. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that was one of the most like badass things about it is I, I love the whole Sarah Connor story of her you know becoming this jail this jail brat who's just a fucking badass and her kid being a little shithead who you know is supposed to be the kid who's going to lead the resistance someday yeah it's it's so brilliant which uh colonial marine is in t2 uh which one it's uh uh, hendrickson or no sorry isn't it uh What's his name? Uh, You you almost have to know this to know it because it took me. I didn't. I didn't recognize it for years, but uh, it's fucking Vasquez. Oh right! Oh, that's the mom. Yes, yes, stepmom. Yeah, Jeanette Goldstein is the actress. Yeah. uh, Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that was that scene. That was a scene that haunted me as a kid. Like thinking about being out. Like I remember going to LVR Games and Center Mall in Saskatoon, and like (laughs) I'd be playing the Terminator Two Judgment game. Remember that the arcade guns? Our friend Seb actually owns one. It's in his house. But I loved that game so much. And then that always ran through my head about like you know what if my parents are getting sniped by (laughs) by what what's his nuts? The guy he's he's great too in Terminator Two. Oh my god, why am I drawing a blank? Robert Patrick. Yes, Robert Patrick. Um, it's kind of funny that you mention that is you look at the series as a whole and the amount of talent in all of the like if you go through and look at all through the casts through all the years mm-hmm. of these different Terminators it's wild how much talent has been thrown at this series and yeah, just like Jai yeah, Courtney just, just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I forgot about him yeah Jai Courtney maybe the most robotic person actor out of this entire <laughs> franchise <laughs> It's just so funny to think about like yeah. how many different things went into the series. And like, I, I've always said that I don't really like stories that deal with time travel too much, but this is like a yeah. very big exception for yeah. it, except for it, it does really, you know, that meme you always talk about with Charlie with all the different lines. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it really, that's what the series turned into. And there's, there's cool ways you could do time travel like this, where it's kind of, you know, it's very linear in that way of you could just go back. Um, but well, and time travel is really just a mechanism in the first movie and in the yeah, second movie, exactly. for like for just that story of hunting somebody down, basically. Yeah. Uh, and you could even argue, I think about this sometimes when you take a character like Darth Vader, uh, Wolverine, Hannibal Lecter, and you have these iconic things where like you know wolverine you don't he doesn't know anything about himself i'm not just talking about the movies in the comics too darth vader you don't know that much about him uh in the first you know star wars movie uh hannibal lecter same thing he's got like 11 or 17 minutes of screen time or something in the silence of the lambs but then they become such popular characters that they start to fill in all the backstories and it takes away some of the mystique and i think that happens with the terminator franchise too a it takes away some of the mystique uh but also like it starts to do that thing with the the 
the yarn uh, map, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, and become yeah. more confusing and make it more of a time travel thing and less about just a mechanism for this like uncompromising well, killer. Well, well, really, yeah. It just it was a device to get this story rolling in the in the first one. It, it didn't like you know it's it feels like later on it turned into this like taxi almost they they would just go right. wherever and do whatever yeah. and it it didn't really affect things and then some of them they would rewrite it so it did i uh, i don't know it's it's weird seeing a character get you know john connor getting changed so often yeah them retconning their own franchise like well, how many guys were lined up to get into that time machine in the future too yeah. it's like the Terminator goes through, then uh, Reese goes through, and then you've got a T-1000, and then you yeah. know, just, they're all lined up. It's you like, just, all right, you're a turn guy. You yeah, next it's like it, platform right? nine and three quarters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it would be like, uh, Mitch, what was that that play area you talked about that used to be where Zeller's Scooters. Is? Scooter, yeah. It would be at, like scooters when you're waiting in line for somebody to go. It's just like, I'm next. <laughs> yeah. Next I'm going to travel. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. travel to the past. <laughs> Yeah, no, the the franchise, like, that's the thing, like you had said many times on this already, Craig, with it being so lean and mean and how like the story is so easily understandable in the first Terminator. And even in the second one, you know, we get a little we get a little more more backstory that isn't even necessary, but it still always pays off in the second one. But then the franchise becomes the most convoluted thing, the most convoluted timeline in like maybe anything. And I'm saying that as someone who is an X-Men fan. So like the X-Men is also like a complete disaster in some places because it also deals with time travel in, in a lot of areas. But my God. Yeah. But classic film. The original Terminator is an absolute masterpiece. At least that's what I think. I had my, my friend was on the floor laughing because he couldn't believe the conviction. I was like, he's like, do I really need to see Terminator? I'm like, it's a stone cold masterpiece. Yeah. He fell so did, he, did he like it? He did. He loved it. He, in his words, he's like, oh, man, that was banging. Yeah. So um, I have to quickly mention, like, I laugh at this every time I see this movie, but like when they go into the Technoir bar yeah, uh, and like there's what I call the like 80s dance. And I obviously can't demonstrate it, uh, you know, on sure podcast, you can. But, well, I mean, you can see me doing yeah. it on my screen, but yeah. uh, it's and like so, the running like, man. It's like the most of. badass bar uh, yeah. with like, like, you know, just chain link fence everywhere and these big punk bouncers and everybody in there is a punk and it's called tech noir. Yeah. And then you go in there and everybody's doing that like same dance they'd be doing in like the breakfast club or something because yeah. it was ubiquitous <laughs> at the time. But uh, so anyway, I just I laugh at uh, at that every time. But totally. Uh, it's like I the would... Crispin Glover dance and final chapter. Friday the 13th final chapter. Yeah. I, I would be remiss before we end this episode here because it kind of feels like we're wrapping down. It would I would be remiss to not talk about the whole tech noir thing and and you know James Cameron having that as such a, a literal he's like showing you is like this is what this is. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of the equivalent of having like rock opera or something above, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, it it totally, but I think like tech noir even that's the thing that's a brilliant part about it is so many people aren't even thinking about that kind of stuff. Like when you go, yeah. the regular moviegoers are just going in, they want an they want an escape and they want to, you know, listen or watch someone else's stories. But yeah. With I, it's just like it's such a little like of, wink yeah you know? do either of you i know because craig you you collect uh you collect like movie books as well we you know we we used to talk about that a lot it's like all these making of books that are just brilliant yep. uh they're just awesome coffee table books do you have tech noir because i know no. it's in my uh i'm asking for it for christmas oh no <laughs> i don't have that one actually i should actually put that on my christmas list too yeah it looks pretty cool but that's yeah that's hey, one you that... guys could get it for each other there you go <laughs> there you go 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, anything else you guys want to mention before we wrap up shop here? I don't think so. The last thing I would say is if someone is, if a, if a robot from the future is coming after you uh, and you think he might be following you and you phone home, don't leave a message on your answering machine uh, with your like current whereabouts. uh, Yeah. Because he'll definitely try to reacquire you there yeah that is that was one i definitely noticed where i was like i'm at the tech noir and yeah. it's like hmm? it's on pico i know yeah. that one it's on pico exactly i go <laughs> there all the time what yeah. would have made that phone what would have made that move that part better is if but i also know that this would fuck with the timeline of our universe but if he would have done the the tim allen huh? <laughs> <From Home Improvement. laughs> i don't even know if t- home improvement was out yet but either way no, not in 1984 yeah. no but oh yeah and that's the other thing the last thing the amount the cultural impact this movie has had the amount of movies have tried doing exactly what it does some of them succeeding some of them not like i'm one of my favorite movies of all time is robocop and it's like robocop owes so much to the original terminator um but if you put that plasma rifle to my head i don't know which one i would choose if it was between terminator or robocop that's how much i love robocop but they they do things completely differently like clearly terminator is a better film but uh but there's just something about RoboCop is so fun. But even, yeah, my friend mentioned last night, he's like, oh, it's kind of like Looper. I was like, I completely forgot about Looper. Right. And that totally is a movie that the, the storyline, it's all so heavily influenced by what Cameron came up with here. Mm-hmm. And uh, as much as, you know, I'm just like the next, I, I don't love Avatar the way that a lot of people do, but I feel like Cameron is one of those guys that is, he has, he has a, a couple of movies that give him lifetime passes to make as much for lack of better words, yeah. shit as he wants. Like he's the guy made yeah, he's he's impacted film enough that he can just do whatever the fuck he yeah. wants, whether it's good or not. And he it's, will. He's yeah, gonna. Exactly. He is. Totally. It's like Ridley I have Scott. Actually, three words for Avatar. Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Ridley Scott with Alien. It's like you can make as many House of Gucci's and fucking Alexanders as you want. <laughs> yeah, you've made, you've made freaking Alien and Gladiator even. So but, before we get out of here. We have to do our best Arnie impression. I know you just oh, did no. one. I know you just did one, Craig, but you gotta we gotta we gotta do one here. What what should we uh what line should would you do? I think a, you a fuck, go first. Fuck you asshole. Oh, how about the look at my boobies, Jack? Look at them. <laughs> have you guys seen that yet? Have you seen that someone did a deep fake of Titanic and they put Arnie's face on on Rose? No. <laughs> look at my boobies, Jack. Look at them. Come on. So nice oh man i oh. sent it i sent you a, i'll send it to both of you i'll find it it's it's haunted my dreams ever since but it ends off with arnie saying look at my boobies jack <laughs> okay i'll try one for you here okay killian you cold-blooded bastard i'll live to see you eat that contract but you'd better save room for my fist because i'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your damn spine <laughs> <laughs> oh that is a mic drop moment that was great <laughs> holy shit yeah that was <laughs> I can't think of that. Where's the dialogue. Turbo Man? Give me the Turbo Man. <laughs> Have you been eating all the other kids' lunches? Stop it! <laughs> all right, Boozy, your turn, and then we're we're wrapping this thing up. See you at the party, Richter. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yes, yeah, that was not bad at all. All right, well, yeah. Once again, Craig, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Oh. It's been great catching up with you. Yes. And Craig, catch up our viewers with anything that uh, what's going on in your life, uh, your socials, anything you want to plug, that sort of stuff. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you can follow me at Craig Silliphant on Instagram, uh, Twitter, maybe even TikTok, Facebook, whatever. Uh, but uh, I released. A are book you this are year. you on TikTok? 
Uh, I'm just kind of, I just actually started playing with it in the last couple of right. days. I'm not sure I fully understand it yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. Oh, I was really hoping that like, maybe I like a secret following on there and you were really in on like the, the sound bite trends and stuff, you know, like the yeah, dances. No, no, I think I have three followers, uh, three friends and you're one of them. So yes, uh, I know. Right? <laughs> um, but uh, I released a book this year. Uh, it's a book of short stories. Uh, it's called, uh, nothing you do matters. Uh, and it's like, I feel it, that personally, it's sort of all over the place in terms of the story. Some of them are really kind of nice Nick Hornby style, uh, reminiscence of teenage years. Some of them are ghost stories. Uh, some of them are like what I would call Chuck Palahniuk style, uh, dark stories that look at the darker side of things like fame or social media, stuff like that. Um, so check it out. You can get it if you're in Saskatchewan or Saskatoon, you can get it uh, at McNally Robinson and Turning the Tide. Uh, but if you're anywhere else in the world, you can order it on uh, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. And I did get a little bit of a obviously my my cheeks perked up and I, I blushed a little bit when I saw my name in the, the special thanks. Right. The yes. Yeah. That's so right. thank you for that. But uh, yeah, no, definitely pick up your pick up Craig's book. Uh, once again, nothing you do matters. And uh, yeah, it's just congratulations on everything you've done this year because you you've accomplished a lot this year one of those things being you hosted the panel of the druid's hand sold out screening right. <laughs> which, yes. and you killed which was it was really fun yeah yeah that was a lot of fun that's where we got to fill in 430 people about uh hugh evans taking a shit in jesse's trailer <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a it was a special night and i'm very very happy that you were able to be a part of it it was important for me like uh, as soon as we knew what we were doing i was like well craig's got to host this thing that'd be awesome yeah, um anytime so, yeah. man yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm proud to be your longtime hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Me and James Cameron. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Boozy, you got anything else you want to mention? Uh, no, actually, I don't. I'm good. Okay. Yeah, we don't know what the next episode's going to be yet, but uh, I promise we'll we'll try and keep this this train rolling and and mm -hmm. try and find some fun things to talk about and uh, some more interesting voices to welcome to the show. But once again, thank you so much for listening to. Yeah, thank and thank you, Craig. Yes. Yeah, thanks again, Craig, and thank you all for listening to another episode of The Terror Table. <laughs> 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 <laughs>